We live in a world that doesn't always understand grief, but we do. We see you, we hear you, and we're here to talk about grief in the most real of ways, because we have lived with it too. In this podcast, we'll look at ways to integrate grief into a life that is fulfilling and meaningful for you. There'll be no platitudes or silver linings, but there may be the occasional F-bomb. I'm coach John Polo, and my person died. I'm coach Carolyn Gower, and my person died too. Welcome everybody to episode 17 of the My Person Die 2 podcast. This episode is entitled Continuing Bonds, Ways to Stay Connected. Before we get into the episode though, we want to announce the winner of our June giveaway. So as you guys know, there are a couple options to support this podcast. For our supporters, we will be announcing one winner a month And that person has a free hour with Carolyn and I on Zoom. We could talk about your grief. We could talk about your life now. We could share funny memories about, you know, our people that have passed, whatever the case is, however you want to spend the hour. The June winner is Becca Jamison. So Becca Jamison, reach out to us and we will get that scheduled. On to today's episode. Carolyn, would you like to kick things off? I would love to, John. This is one of my very, very favorite topics. So we'll start with a bit of a background story about where the term continuing bonds came from. As most of us grievers know, it seems that the majority of the Western world still believes that grief has an end date, with grievers commonly being told to get over their grief and move on. Adding to this, the recent inclusion of the prolonged grief disorder to the the American Psychiatric Association's Diagnostic Manual which we won't get into today, it can really feel like grief gets a bad rap. Then on the other hand, there's cultures who openly grieve for their dead very intensely for many, many years or even a lifetime. The traditions with which these cultures celebrate and honour their deceased person involve extended family and sometimes whole communities and are very heartfelt and beautiful. And the big thing is that all of this is very normal to them. You know, Carolyn, it's interesting you talk about that because one of the things that I often say with clients, regardless if I'm talking about grief or whatever, is I'll be honest. I'll be like, look, I can only speak to this country. I don't exactly know all the other ways that, you know, other countries in the rest of the world deal with grief. I only can kind of talk about what I see here in If I'm being completely honest, here in the United States, it's pretty different. Most people after the funeral go back to their normal lives. And we are not given a lot of time to grieve here, at least in the States. Yeah, I totally agree with that, John. It is very similar in Australia as well. However, in 1996, Dennis Klass, Phyllis Silverman and Stephen Nickman challenged the linear models of grief in their book entitled Continuing Bonds, New Understandings of Grief, which is a very, very interesting book. After observing many cases, their findings were that to remain connected with your deceased provides much more 
comfort and support and therefore helps the bereaved to cope with their loss. The latest in grief research also suggests that this is a much healthier way to grieve rather than expecting our grief to be completed in a specific and unrealistic time frame. Now, John, as grievers, we both know that grief never ends and the continuing bonds theory acknowledges this. And it also acknowledges that it is normal to want to keep a connection with our loved one and validate some of our behaviours in doing so, whereas those around us may often think that we're a little bit crazy. All of this research shows that continuing bonds can help you to cope with grief. So there it is, John, actual evidence of what we and a lot of grievers already knew, but it so often gets misunderstood. You know, and the problem is, Carolyn, while there's actual evidence of that, I had no idea about any of that until you just read it. For me, after Michelle passed, it was more walking through the fire, right? It was people not understanding my grief. It was people think I was crazy for, you know, continuing to have that bond with Michelle and nurture that bond. And me eventually empowering myself enough to say, fuck y'all, right? Like, I'm going to do me. So like you and I have walked through that fire and we know it because of that. There's actual like scientific evidence behind it. But the sad reality is that most people are made to feel silly when they do this. I just had a client I was on the phone with earlier today and we were doing a FaceTime call and he looked at me. And he said, well, you know, this might sound weird to you, but I still talk to her, meaning his deceased wife. And I looked right back at him and I was like, man, that's not weird to me at all. <laughs> like, this is only our second session together. So we're just getting to know each other a little bit. I was like, no, no, no. Like, I'm 100 million percent behind that. And then I told him about the episode we were going to record tonight. Look, no matter what your spiritual beliefs are, I believe that what we're about to talk about can be practiced by anybody. So whether you're religious, whether you're spiritual, whether you're agnostic, or even if you're atheist, like I firmly believe that if you want to practice some of this, you can. And specifically when I talk about like, no matter what your spiritual beliefs are, I'm talking more about like the talking to our people <laughs> for a lot of us speaking to our person me verbally talking to michelle helps so i don't think you necessarily need to believe that they can hear you in order for that to prove helpful to you does that make sense carolyn absolutely and i totally agree it it doesn't matter if we think they can hear us or not, if it brings us comfort and it helps us, I'm all for it. And right. I do it like every morning I say good morning to Tony. Every night I say good night to him. I'll, if something funny happens during the day that I know he'll relate to, I, I say that as well. And the funny thing was um, a little while ago I was having a coffee with a friend of mine and she has a cat who she loves. And she was saying, oh, my neighbour must think that I'm really crazy because 
you know, I'm always talking to my cat. They must wonder who I'm talking to. I said, oh, that's okay. Well, my neighbours must think I'm crazy too because I'm always talking to my dead husband. My dark humour did fall a little bit short on it, but, you know, we did have a laugh about it anyway. Good. I love it. So we're actually going to talk about that, specifically talking to them a little bit more here. What Carolyn and I want to do on this episode is we're going to run through some some of the ideas we're going to talk about here today, we're just going to give you the idea, like, and we're not going to get into too much detail because it's pretty self-explanatory. Other things we'll elaborate on a little bit. Okay, I'm going to kick us off. Is that okay with you, Carolyn? Yes, let's do it. Okay, so one of the suggestions I give to my clients is to write a list of funny memories that you have of your person who passed away. So the reason, and I think I may have talked about this in a past episode, but I'm going to repeat myself. So the reason why I like to say funny memories and not necessarily happy memories is because especially early on, if you're writing happy memories, that might be difficult. That might be bittersweet. Whereas if you're writing funny memories, you're more likely to just laugh. So what's the difference between a funny memory and a happy memory? Well, let's say your husband wore a toupee. He had a wig on his head, right? And you got married outside and it was windy. Well, the wedding day as a whole is a happy memory. The fact that his toupee went flying off during the ceremony, that's a funny memory. A couple tips on this suggestion. First of all, if you go to write these memories and you can't think of anything, don't panic, don't worry, don't freak out. Sometimes that happens. Keep the paper and pen close to you. You will have memories pop into your brain. If you come up with only four or five and you know you should have 50 or 60 funny memories, again, keep the paper and pen close to you. You will have more come to you in time. You can also have people do this with you. So let's say you lost your spouse. You can maybe start it yourself and then have your kids do it with you to add to it at a later point. Absolutely, John. I really love that idea. And I love doing it myself too. It's always brings a smile to my face when I look back on our funny memories. Another really good way to keep connected to your person is to write to them. And now this can be writing a letter to them, writing in your journal about them and about some of the memories that you have together. It can be sending a text message to them if their phone's still active or sending them a message on Messenger, whatever feels right for you. And there's no right or wrong to this. You can just write whatever comes into your head. You know, there's a couple of things. So first off, one of the things I know we both do with our clients is we'll suggest this to them sometimes. And I know we both, sometimes we just kind of make it like open-ended. And other times we both give very specific writing prompts. Here's what's so interesting to me on this whole writing to them one. I have done all of them. I have wrote to Michelle in general. I have wrote to her on very specific things. I have written to her about our our life together. I've sent her text messages, all of that. Nothing hits my heart as much as when I write her on Facebook Messenger. I don't know why. It's bizarre. Why does writing her on Facebook Messenger hit my heart more than writing her a letter with paper and pen? I don't know. But my point is, mix it up. 
communicate with them in different ways and see what works for you best. And another one too, John, is um, if you've memorialized their Facebook page, you can write on there too and and share things, which is nice to do on special occasions like their birthday. And it's also nice to see some friends wishing them a happy birthday to know that they haven't forgotten about them as well. But keep in mind too that none of this has to be on a special occasion. You can write to them anytime that you feel like it. 100%. And this goes back to the actually talking to them, right? You said that, you know, I think you said you tell Tony good morning. I will talk to Michelle from time to time. I used to do it much more, but I still do it on occasion. It's interesting because early on, (laughs) there were quite a few times where And some people might not get this, but most of the people I have talked to do get this. We're like, I would yell at her and it would be like that, you know, why did you leave me? (laughs) I can't do this without you type of thing. Now, six and a half years out, I talk to her more during moments of happiness, during moments of joy, during moments of hope. And I'll talk to her sometimes in my head where nobody can hear. And other times, yeah, I actually say the words and I don't care who thinks I'm crazy. I totally get that, John. I do all of the above. Another good little project is to make a memory box with some of their favorite items. And you can include whatever you like, but some suggestions are their wallet, their phone, could be some keys on like a special key ring they had. I know I have Tony's sunglasses. He was uh, a bus driver and well known for his white Oakley sunglasses. So I, I have them, you know, whatever reminds you of your person, some little knickknacks that were special to them are nice to have in that memory box. Yeah, I love that idea. Another idea is you can actually create some kind of box where if you have kids, You can write, you know, on the box, letters to daddy or letters to mommy. And the kids can write them letters and you can put them in the box. And whether or not, you know, you ever open that box or you just keep adding to it, you know, for years and years, this is an additional option for them to try to stay connected to them emotionally. Yeah, that's a great idea for the kids, John. Something else that I have is a memory jar, which I've written on little pieces of paper, special memories um, of Tony, and um, I filled it up. I still sometimes think of memories that I hadn't thought about for a while and pop them in there. And then every now and again, I'll sit down with a cuppa and, and pull some out and have a look and remember those times. And speaking of memories, here's another idea that kind of goes hand in hand with what you just said, a memory book. So when I give this idea to people, sometimes they're like, well, John, I already have photo albums. And I'm like, that's wonderful, but listen to me. (laughs) I'm not talking about a photo album. I'm talking about a memory book. The difference is in the memory book, instead of just putting a bunch of pictures, you will write down your favorite memories of your person. And very importantly, you can have people add to it, right? So I did this. My stepdaughter and I sat down, we wrote down a bunch of memories of Michelle, then we had people add to it so that when she's 30 years old, she can go back and read it and not only remember her mom, but also remember her mom 
from the eyes of other humans who loved her mom, right? And then, yes, you can also put pictures in there and caption them as well. I really, really love that idea, John. Another thing that I've done is to have some items made from their clothing. So um, some friends of mine made this beautiful big quilt for me out of Tony's favourite T-shirts and shirts and jeans. And and I just love snuggling up with it and looking at all his clothing and the memories. And we're in winter now in Australia and it's something I love snuggling up with in winter. It's very special. They also made me some cushions out of his shirts, memory cushions. And I have another lovely friend who has a business in which she makes memory bears out of uh, people's clothing. Yeah, that's awesome. We had a memory bear made out of Michelle's clothing. It's absolutely amazing. Let's go through a couple other ideas here. So we can include them in the holidays if you wanted to, right? Like for some people, this may be like, I don't want to do that. Well, you don't have to do it. But if you wanted to, you could put an empty chair there at Christmas. You can light a candle for them. You can go around the table and have everyone share a memory of them. You can have a cake on their birthday. Like these are things that, no, we don't have to do any of them. And again, for some people, they may not want to do this type of stuff, which is fine. But these are options that we all have if we so choose. That's right, John. And as you said, it's entirely up to you what you choose to do. Sometimes just thinking of them on those special holidays is your way of keeping your bond with them. Now, another one that you can do is to wear their favourite scent or spray it on your bed or pillow. Again, I like doing this one too. Tony's favourite scent was One Million and I just happened to buy him a, a great big bottle of that a few months before he died. So I have plenty left. So every now and again, I'll, I'll just um, spray that around, spray it on the pillow before I go to bed and it feels really nice. It, it's one of those things that brings the memory of him as soon as I smell it. And then I'll also wear it myself on special days or or just ordinary days that I want to feel close to him. I love that. You know, I don't I think it was a, the day after or two days after Michelle passed, I went, God, it's like it's surreal sometimes telling these stories, <laughs> the shit we've all been through. I went to the mall with my sister to buy my dead wife a dress for the funeral. Oh God, like the words that come out of my mouth sometimes. I hate them. Um, anyways, when we dated in high school, I wore a cologne and it was her favorite cologne that I wore. Well, if for those from the States, it was from Abercrombie and Fitch. Well, as an adult, like that's like a teenage place. So as an adult, you're not really supposed to wear Abercrombie and Fitch stuff or cologne. But when we went to the mall to get her the dress, I walked into Abercrombie and Fitch and I bought that cologne. And I wore it for months after. So that wasn't like the favorite scent that she liked to wear. That was the favorite scent that she liked on me. And I started wearing it again for a few months because it made me feel closer to her. You can also do this with candles, right? So like if they had a favorite candle or a favorite scent, you can light the candles. That sometimes can make us feel closer to them. Yeah, that's a great idea with the candles as well, John. I was... um really happy to find someone that made candles in the one million cents so i have got those around the house as well yeah that's awesome 
Now, the next one that we're going to talk about is memorial tattoos. And uh, I, I know I have quite a few myself um, that are very special to me. And nowadays you can also include their ashes in the tattoo should you choose to. How about you, John? Do you have some memorial tattoos? I do. I have two. Um, the first one is just Michelle's name. I got it two weeks after she passed. I got it on the day we were supposed to have our wedding ceremony. What happened is after I got that tattoo, and I love, I love it, but after I got that tattoo, I started seeing in Facebook widowed groups, people get tattoos with the ashes inside of them and people getting tattoos in their handwriting. And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> like, I regretted so badly that I didn't know about those things. So then I got another memorial tattoo that is in Michelle's handwriting. And there are a little bit of Michelle's ashes in that tattoo as well, which I know for some people would think is weird. But again, I don't care what you think because I have empowered myself enough to do what the fuck I want to do. Right, Carolyn? <laughs> yeah. And that's a beautiful idea. I, well, Tony wasn't cremated, so I didn't have ashes. Um, but I still would like to get a, a tattoo with some of his hand, handwriting on it get that added to another tattoo that um, is for him as well. And an interesting thing about tattoos, it just reminded me of um, before Tony died, he had for a long time wanted to get my name tattooed on himself. And the tattoo artists that we'd been to to have a few tattoos just flat out refused to do it because he said, every time I do it to a married couple, they split up. So he wouldn't do it. And then after a while, you know, once Tony was on chemo, chemo and everything, he was just too sick. He wasn't allowed to have tattoos done. So that was one thing that he told me that he did regret before he died, but that's okay. Um, but funny thing was that after he died, I was at the tattoo artist and getting one of my memorial ones and he felt so bad that he hadn't done this tattoo for Tony. So Maybe he'll think twice about doing it, doing that on um, married couples next time. Yeah, I hear you. Right. I didn't actually wear a wedding ring. Um, for those that know the story between Michelle and I, like we got married at the courthouse. She was incredibly sick. We were supposed to have a normal, real wedding when the cancer came back, but she died two weeks before it. We did at one point look at wedding rings for me, but there was just so much going on that we never actually got around to it. So when I have, you know, a client or a friend ask me about, you know, when should I take off my wedding ring? I always tell them when you want to <laughs> and not a moment before. But I also always tell them if you take it off and you want it back on, put it back on. Right. But I know that you have actually done something different with your wedding ring. So tell us about that, Carolyn. Yeah, John, um, I love what I've done with my wedding ring. And I took a long time to decide. I Four years after Tony died when I did this and I did it to give myself for our wedding anniversary. So what I've got is Tony's wedding ring and his fingers were quite big. So it's a, a big ring. So it's Tony's ring with my wedding ring inside it on a chain. So it's made into a necklace. But on the outside of his wedding ring, I have engraved in his handwriting, uh, I love you so much. Tony, kiss, 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 kiss. 
It's so special. It. And I'm actually holding it while I'm talking about it. I know you can't see, but yeah, I'm, I'm holding it here. It's just so special to have it around my neck, close to my heart. I love it. That's great. This next one I want to talk about, I don't want to spend a lot of time on it because I know that there are people who have differing views of it. For those who believe in mediumship, again, I'm saying for those who believe. So for those that don't believe, you don't believe, that's fine. I'm not even saying if I believe, but for those that do believe in mediumship, you can consider getting a reading to connect with them. Um, you obviously want to do your research and make sure that you connect with somebody who, you know, has good reviews, but that's a, another way that we can continue the bond if you're open to that type of thing. Yeah, John, that is a really beautiful thing to do if it is something that you're open to. You know, a way that we can, you know, continue to feel close to them is by incorporating perhaps new things into our household. So an example is a few months after Michelle passed, I was out, I don't know where I was, probably like Target or something. And Michelle loved owls. And I found this owl picture. So I didn't particularly like want it because like I don't particularly love owls, but it made me think about Michelle. And I wanted it in my house because of that. So I bought it and I hung it up. <laughs> cool, I love that. So something that I did was um, a few months after Tony died as well, and we'd already before he died booked two nights away at a little boutique place. And I decided to still do it because I, at that time I just felt I needed to get away, but I wanted to go into the town. They had some lovely little shops and I wanted to go into this art shop and find a special piece of artwork that reminded me of Tony. So I walked in and I was almost immediately drawn to this big sculpture. And it was like, to me, it represented two people. It was one standing behind the other and wrapping their arms around them. And it just immediately reminded me of the way Tony would wrap his arms around me when we went to music festivals and other things like that. So after walking around, around the store, Several times I kept going back to that. I was really drawn to that. So I got that and it's um, got pride of place in my home right now still. I love that. Yep. That's exactly the type of thing I'm talking about. And it can make you feel closer to them, their memory. Let's rattle through a couple more here. So you can do something for charity in their honor, right? You can raise awareness for something they may have struggled with. So perhaps, you know, Michelle died of sarcoma, perhaps raising awareness for sarcoma could have been something that I looked into. One thing that I did do for a long time until COVID hit, and then I had to stop doing it, was I would bring donuts to the doctors, the nurses, and the hospice staff that took care of Michelle. That act alone made me feel so close to my wife. That's such a beautiful thing to do. And I'm sure it was very much appreciated by them as well. And I love that it also, it would get them thinking about Michelle too. So not only are you feeling close to Michelle, it brings in those other people to think of Michelle as well. Right, right, absolutely. And John, there's um, some things that I've done for charity as well that make me feel close to Tony. 
because Tony had prostate cancer, I have spoken at prostate cancer support groups. I've also tried to raise awareness for prostate cancer in younger men. And um, I do a bit of work with the Cancer Council as a volunteer on their support line for carers. I love it. That's awesome. I mean, one of the things I was planning to do was actually volunteer for the hospice that took care of Michelle. But I actually decided not to do that in the end. But that was a plan of mine. And again, that was because as weird as it may sound for some people, like going there and returning there to the facility that housed my wife for 22 years, to the place that she passed away, for me, as bizarre as it may sound for some, made me feel closer to her. No, John, that doesn't sound weird at all to me. So let's go to the next thing, which is, you know, a lot of people after they lose someone they love, they start a blog or they start a social media page. Carolyn and I both did this, right? Even if you're never, ever, ever going to do that, which is totally fine, I do want to encourage everybody to post about your grief, about your life, about the person you love and lost as much as you want. This goes back to empowering yourself. I wrote a piece in my first book called Stop the Shame. It's one of my favorite pieces even though I don't really remember it because it was six years ago. <laughs> but I do remember what inspired me to write it, which is I was on an airplane flying back home, I believe. And I went to post a picture of Michelle and I hesitated. And I thought, oh, fuck. Are people going to get tired of me posting pictures of Michelle? And then I took a deep breath. And I thought about it for about 10 seconds. And then I thought, ah, oh, fuck, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> and I posted it. And then on the plane ride home, I wrote that piece, Stop the Shame. So one of the ways we can continue to have that bond with them, if we so choose, is by continuing to share their memory on social media. John, I think if we stop and stopped and thought about how many people might be sick of hearing our grief stories before we posted, we wouldn't post anything at all. But right. it, is, it is a beautiful way to keep their memory alive. And um, like you, I don't really care now what other people think. And I'm, well, I'm not doing it for them. I'm doing it for me. I know that it's helping other people. And it's honoring Tony. Carolyn, I have a problem with you. Okay. <laughs> Here's my problem with you. I said that I was going to stop swearing so much and it's not really going well, but I have not heard you say the word fuck in a long time. And now we, all of a sudden we have a podcast where only one person is swearing. So can you <laughs> please just, can you please just say fuck once and then we'll go to the next thing. <laughs> Fuckity fuck, fuck, fuck. There you go. Okay, great. So let's go through a couple more. If they had, you know, a favorite food, you can cook their favorite food, right? You Maybe it's their birthday and they had an absolute favorite taco restaurant that you guys would go to every year. Well, it may hurt too much to do this, but it may not. You may want to continue you know, 
the the tradition. You may want to go to that taco restaurant and eat or order in food on your person's birthday because they loved it so much. And another thing that you can do that's food related is to cook their favorite food or something that they'd like to cook. Every now and again, I'll cook Tony's go-to dish, which was spaghetti bolognese. And um, I'm actually going to make some of that tonight. My three-year-old granddaughter loves it and we're going to be having her around. So Par Tony Spag Bowl is on the menu tonight. (laughs) I love it. You know, the other thing that I want to talk about is for those that believe, notice the signs that they're sending you. If you believe in signs, notice them, appreciate them, thank them for the signs. That's another way that you can continue the bond. I totally agree, John. And I often have people say to me, this happened and I'm not sure if it was a sign or not. And my thoughts are, if you feel that it was a sign, it was a sign. I absolutely agree, 100%. You know, when we talk about like talking about your person, that doesn't have to be only with people who knew your person. You can talk about your person with new people who come into your life. You can make their memory an active part of your life. Great point, John. And I will talk about Tony when I do meet new people and be saying my husband this or my husband that, because I I just don't really like to call him my late husband. And then they'll say something about him and I'm like, oh shit, they don't know that he's dead. So that does get a bit awkward there, but I will always talk about Tony to new people, you know, people that never got to meet him because he was a big part of my life. Absolutely. Another thing that you can do, and I would assume probably more women do this than men, (laughs) but you know, I know we both have clients that, and maybe you do this, Carolyn, I'm not sure if you actually personally do this, but maybe they wear, you know, their husband's t-shirt to bed, or, you know, maybe, you know, maybe your husband passed away and you have, he had a couple, maybe, you know, sports jerseys and you give them to your son, you know? So now as your son grows up, he's wearing the jerseys that his dad used to wear again. For some people, this may not make sense. For some people, this may even be off-putting. Like, why would you want to do that? But when you're grieving, you're not grieving for everyone else. (laughs) You're doing what works for you. That's exactly right. It's important to remember, whatever you do, it's for you. It's what feels right for you. And on the subject of their clothes, it reminded me, I have Tony's T-shirt, one of the ones that he last wore in hospital, stained in a drink, a red drink that he was the only thing that he could keep down at the time. I still have that under my pillow every night. I have for over five years now, and it might seem really, really strange to people, but I just know it's there and it feels comforting. So it's still there. Do you want to hear something really strange, Carolyn? You think that's strange? Should I get really personal? Oh, I think I know what you're going to say. It was in one of your books, wasn't it? No, 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 not that one. Oh, not that they one. Gotta read, they got to read the book to read that one. <laughs> so this is probably going to ruin People won't think I'm so fucking weird, but whatever. I kept some of my favorite 
pieces of Michelle's underwear and stuff for <laughs> years. Like, like her, some of my favorite pieces of her lingerie, like I kept it for years until I moved. And I was like, John, I'm talking to myself, right? As I'm looking like at this <laughs> stuff, I'm like, homeboy, what are you going to do with this? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, are you going to eventually be in a relationship and they're going to like stumble upon it and be like, what is this? Like, what are you going to do with this, John? So eventually about four years after I got rid of it. But I mean, that's weird. No, actually, that's not weird. That's the beauty of it, Carolyn, right? Like that for me is what I wanted to do. I wanted to keep that until one day when I didn't anymore. I'm not one to judge. I still have so, some of Tony's boxes in his bedside drawer. <laughs> there you go. Now, some other nice things to do are to plant a tree in their honour and watch it grow year after year or create a memorial or a Zen garden where you can sit and relax and feel close to them. We're going to start winding down this episode. Let me say a couple things here. So... Again, I said this earlier, but I need to repeat it. You don't have to do any of this in order to continue the bond. You don't have to do any of this to still feel connected to them. You have the ability to have their love and their memory walk with you for the rest of your life regardless if you do any of this or if you don't. The last thing I'll say is this. Being six and a half years out now, the way that I continue the bond with Michelle looks far different than it did six weeks out, six months out, two years out, four years out. So know that whatever path you take here, you can always change it up and it is going to evolve. That's so true, John. And it's also important to know that there can be some instances when continuing bonds can become unhealthy, such as wanting to live in the past and keep everything exactly the same as it was when your person was alive. And as we both know, when a loved one dies, you can never go back to how things were before. So if you are feeling a little bit stuck, like you're not able to move forward through your grief, it may be time to consider seeking some help to support you through this. We hope you've enjoyed learning a bit about continuing bonds. So if any of these are things that you like to do to feel close to your person, but were worried about what others might think, you now have proof to show them that this is highly researched over many years and it is in fact a healthy way to grieve. Have fun experimenting to see what feels right for you and let us know if you find some other fun ways to feel connected to your person. And you're welcome. Thank you for listening to the My Person Died To podcast. For full information on our books, coaching services and other offerings, visit our websites carolyngowercoaching.com.au and johnpolocoaching.com. Remember to rate, review and subscribe. And if you found this podcast helpful, please spread the word so that we're able to support more people through grief.